0: Good morning, City Light. How are we doing? Good morning. Good morning. Glad to be back with you this morning. Uh, Grateful Adele did a great job last week. We will be continuing in Ecclesiastes um, Part 3, Chapter 3 today. If you're new, uh, I want you to go ahead and please fill out that Connect card now. Or if you've been coming a few weeks, haven't done that yet. As we have been saying of late, we have a secret black box we would like to give you, secret ingredients. And so if you turn that in, we will reveal uh, the secrets to you, the secrets of City Light in that black box. And so you can turn it in in the back or in the front. Uh, we would love to just get to know you more and help you on your journey, wherever that may be in life. Let me see if you're ready. Today we're going to open to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Go. Last call. There we go. Wow. Man, that was way better than the 9 o'clock. I mean, unbelievably better. You guys just put them to shame. That was great. Awesome. Uh, Let's go. We're going to read the word of God. As we get ready to do that, uh, today we answer the question, what time is it? What time is it? Game time. Yeah, that's right. That's right. It's God time, word time. And just like you asked that question to navigate your day, you know, why do you pull out your phone, try to check the time, if you actually wear a watch, Wow, you look at that. You say, why do you look at that? Well, you're trying to discern where you're at in the day so that you can make adjustments considering the rest of your day. Especially every parent in here understands this because you're always asking, how close am I to bedtime? How close? And you look at it and you're like, oh, it's four o'clock. I thought it was much later than that. You know, Uh, you guys understand, but whatever it might be, uh, you're looking at your watch, you're looking at your phone, you're asking what time is it because you wanna know where you're at in the day so that you can know how to manage or adjust or plan the rest of your day. Therefore, the answer to that question is very important. And I want you to think about your life in the same sense, your life as a day, and you needing to understand and be able to discern what time is it. Because you and I, and each one of us in our own lives are at a particular point of time. We are each in a particular season of life. In the context of your season, in the answer to the question, what time is it, is going to dramatically alter the way you adjust, the way you manage your day, and the way you plan accordingly. So that's what Solomon's gonna do for us today. And that's what we're gonna see as he talks about the seasons of life. Now, before we read this text, I want you to consider already the season that you are in. I want you to go ahead and mentally place yourself. I want you to answer the question, what time is it? It is technically 1129, so get that out of the way. I want you to answer the metaphorical question. What time is it? Are you in a season of joy or a season of sorrow? A season of singleness or a season of marriage? A season of retirement or is it your very first job? Is it a time for you of relational unity or relational division? Is it a season filled with excitement about the future or anxiety about what is to come? Is it a time of hope or a time of depression and sadness? Is it a time to start, a time to finish, or are you somewhere in the middle? And on and on we can go. I want you to go ahead and do your best to answer the question in your mind, what time is it? How would I describe with one word or two the season that I'm in? And I want you to know something from the beginning. I have found this text to be extraordinarily helpful to me. These last two weeks of my life, to be very honest, have been strange and interesting. I have learned a lot about myself, and oftentimes I've realized more, I think this is true for every Christian, but particularly as a pastor who teaches the Bible that the Lord will bring me through things that are unfamiliar to me for the sake of being able um, to teach the Word and to be able to understand what people go through more deeply so that I can be more helpful And so just to give you context of how this passage has blessed me, you know, most of the time I come to a sermon with much passion and I I desire a high level of conviction. I hope to create by the Spirit of God a high level of uh, inspiration, of motivation to follow and to trust God. Uh, Today I come to you more as a counselor. Uh, Today I come to you more hopefully giving you a perspective of encouragement about how to manage and thrive. And as we're seeing in this series, find meaning in the season that you are in, whatever it may be, beautiful or painful. For me, uh, the last two weeks, as I said, have been quite interesting. About two weeks ago, really unexplainably and out of nowhere, I was thrown into uh, a real season, a week at the very least, and I'm still working through it, of intense sorrow and sadness. It hit me out of nowhere, and most of you who know me at all would probably describe me as one of the most positive people you know. Someone even told me my positivity is toxic, it's unrealistic. I'm like, how is that possible to have you too positive? But this is my nature. I hope it's a mix of faith and also a mix of personality, I'm sure. It's my natural bent on things. And so for this to come out of nowhere, with no particular uh, tragedy or instance of recent uh, to be responding to in that way uh, for some exciting things coming on the horizon. It really, really hit me. I know I describe it. This is, for some of you, this might be very familiar and maybe you're in the midst of it now. Maybe this is a normal struggle for you. It's, it's not something I'm used to. It's like uh, somebody came and just put a blanket over me. You know, it was like, a, like a, just a blade just came up and just covered me in darkness. And it was like a cloud that was just hovering over my life for a good week. Just intense, very intense sorrow, sadness. It was the simplest way to say it. Unexplainable. As I began to process some things, some things were explainable, and I realized what the Lord at some level was doing, and maybe some things from the past are coming back that I am currently grieving. There's a lot of things, as many of you know, makes it very complicated. But the level of sorrow and the unexplainableness of its coming about uh, was very, very new to me. And that lasted intensely. I'm talking a very deep, dark place for about a week. Uh, and by god 's grace, uh, the last week or two um, i 've been slowly getting better but so that week happened, and I share that with you uh, to be vulnerable, hopefully to help you it 's not my favorite thing to do for those of you who know me i don't i don 't like to do that i 'd rather you know be strong all the time, which is foolish I know but uh, that's my that 's my bent and so I hope to help you with that maybe you 're there this morning maybe you 've been there recently, maybe you struggle with that a lot. once um, want you to know I can sympathize and maybe this word today be particularly helpful for your season of life. Well, I was in the middle of that, and just really coming to. Like, it was one of those things where you can't really even enjoy life. You know, just the normal things you enjoy, everything just feels kind of dead to that. So I started to kind of come out of that. It was like the cloud lifted, like the blanket started to come off. I can't describe any other way. And uh, as soon as that began to happen, on Saturday I got a phone call, last Saturday, uh, not yesterday. I got a phone call from my, my mom that my dad had had a heart attack. And he needed emergency bypass surgery. So uh, we adopted my baby girl on Monday morning, which was great. Praise the Lord. Amen. And Monday night, I flew to Alabama uh, to be with my dad's surgery Tuesday morning. Spent all day in the hospital. There were ups and downs. But praise the Lord, he is in recovery now. uh, And he's doing well. And so he's back home, and I'm very, very thankful for that. Also, just amazed at doctors and nurses. I just can't even. When they describe to me what you do. In a bypass surgery, I thought, who in the world figured that out? I don't understand. You know, it's just people do things, and you're like, what? Like, I would never, ever. I could study my whole life. I would never do that. I don't even understand. Like, this doesn't make any sense to me. So praise the Lord for those of you doctors and nurses, and you guys are great. Saved my father's life. And so so just to put all this into context, that happens. And then Wednesday morning, I sit down with my Bible to look at Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Uh, And the Lord begins to speak to my heart and to begin to lead me and help me in a very, very deep way. And and part of my prayer has been this morning uh, that the Lord would minister into your heart in a very deep place as a counselor. You know, the Bible calls him, Isaiah 9, the wonderful counselor. Psalm 16, 5, he says, I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. And so that's what I hope by the Spirit of God to give to you this morning. Proverbs fifteen twenty three says, how good is a word in season? And that's what I hope to provide for you as well this morning, a word in season for your season so that you can learn what God is doing in it, so that you can manage whether it is beautiful or painful, and so that you can navigate it in a way that honors God and gives you some encouragement and hope wherever you may be on the spectrum of life this morning and whatever season you may be in. And so this text has ministered to my heart in a very deep place. And that's basically, I share that to say that's where I'm coming from this morning. Uh, And I hope it does the same for you. So Ecclesiastes chapter 3, let's read verses 1 through 14. For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. I perceive that whatever God does endures forever, nothing can be added to it, nor anything taken from it. God has done it so that people fear before him that which is already has been, and that which is to be already has been. And God seeks what has been driven away. Let's pray before we enter into our time here. Lord, we love you. We ask, um, Lord, from you a word for our season. I pray, Father, that you would give counsel to the very deepest parts of our hearts, that you would do something supernatural this morning, Lord, to restore and to strengthen and to encourage and to bless and to lead and to guide and to instruct your children. And I pray, Lord, that those who are here who are not your children in the family of God, that you would reveal to them your goodness and your love through Jesus Christ, that they would put faith in you and that they would enter into a new season of following Jesus this morning. We love you. We commit this time to you. We ask for your counsel now. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So go ahead, turn to your neighbor, say, it's a season. It's a season, all right? Say, it's a season. It's a season. It's a season. Chapter 3, verse 1, for everything, there is a season. And as we contemplate that simple truth this morning, I know, I know, I know that as we begin to understand this and as the Lord reveals what that means to us, It is going to be so very helpful for you. You are currently in a season, and everything about your life has a time and a place. And we ought to learn to navigate life in seasons, as opposed to trying to hold on to the whole thing all the time. And I hope the Lord relieves much of your burdens this morning, and gives you the strength to navigate today, and takes away all of your worries about tomorrow everything there is a season now this passage is so interesting just as we begin to unfold it first of all it feels like you're playing the opposite game this is like what i do with my kids what's the opposite of to kill you know to heal what's the opposite of to be born to die what's the opposite of to plant to pluck up what's the opposite of to break down to build up you know what is the opposite of all what's the opposite of love hate what's the opposite of war peace And what is he doing as he does this is I think he's providing the whole spectrum because he's going from one extreme to the other. So whatever season you may be in, whether it is on the extreme or somewhere down the middle in the spectrum or to the other extreme, there is a word for you from the scriptures. Whatever season it might be, he's going from one end to the other, showing very much so what seems to be opposites. And what we're going to see sometimes what appear to be opposites are more compatible than we think. Now, also to note, some of these experiences and seasons, you would say, seem more pleasant and some seem unpleasant. For example, the season of war would be an unpleasant one all the time. It would seem like there would never be a pleasant way to do war, even if it was for a good reason. And a season of peace always seems like a good thing. That would be favorable at all times. Those are pretty clear. But then some of these, based off what it means, could be good or bad. It could be a good season or a bad season. It could mean many things. The first one I would notice is it says there's a time to break down and a time to build up. Now, naturally, our first assumption would be that the time to break down sounds bad. That sounds unfavorable and unpleasant. Building up sounds like something more I'm more interested in that sounds better to me, which might be true sometimes. But as we know, oftentimes in life, what if something is bad that needs to be torn down? What if the breaking down of something is good for you and good for the society around it? there's often so many times where the breaking down is essential to the building up. What if the breaking down was the favorable time? These are things we begin to understand and consider. Also, what seems to be total opposites, breaking down and building up, actually, as we begin to think about it more, seem to be more like steps that are necessary to go together. Those of you who work out know, you must break down a muscle before you can build it up. There is no growing of muscle until you break it down first. You cannot skip that process. And so breaking down is a step to building up. These are not polar opposites. As a matter of fact, they're more compatible than you think. Same is true with planting and plucking up. It says sometimes there's a time to plant and sometimes there's a time to pluck up. Now, we enjoy the idea of planting in the sense of farming, and, you know, that's probably not a word. I don't even know. Being a farmer, you know, just growing stuff. It sounds good, you know. But when we think about the most favorable thing to do, yeah, it would be to pluck. It would be to get the fruit or the vegetable off the plant. It would be to receive the benefit of my labor. Plucking up is much more pleasant than being planted. As a matter of fact, if I considered the seeds perspective, I have this little book we read to our kids. It's about The seed's perspective, and it gives you a kind of a twist on, on what it would be like to be the seed. And you can trust the father's hand. It's actually a really good book. I like it for my kids. But when you consider this more, it's like, yeah, it really stinks to be the seed. As a matter of fact, if the seed could think, what's happening is it's being planted in a dark, cold, dirty, and lonely place. That's essential. You cannot be planted without being in a dark, cold, dirty, and lonely place. That is the only way to plant something. And so if you're going to receive something that bears fruit, it must first be planted. So some of us want to be in a season of bloom but aren't appreciating the season of being planted because you cannot bloom that which has not been planted. You see what I'm saying? So now you want to be in a season of bloom. You want to be gathering all the fruit. You want to be enjoying these things. You say, when is it my turn? When can I enjoy this, enjoy that? And God is saying to you, no, 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 you're in a season of being planted. And you cannot bloom or pluck up or bear fruit until you are first planted. And planting feels like something that is dark, lonely, dirty, and scary. But as a matter of fact, it's beautiful and necessary. So planting and plucking up, though they may seem to be two opposites, are, as a matter of fact, more compatible than we think. They're necessary friends. And this is important because verse 11 teaches us this. He has made everything beautiful, read it with me, in its time. Now this is will change your perspective and prayerfully change your life. This stopped me completely in my tracks when I was reading the Bible Wednesday morning. He has made everything beautiful in its time. In its time. You know what makes a season beautiful that feels painful? Timeliness. Timeliness. What makes a painful season actually be a beautiful season? It isn't to dismiss the pain. It isn't to overlook the pain. It isn't to pretend like that's not happening. It isn't to consider all of those things in a foolish way. It isn't to dig your head in the ground. It isn't to pretend. But what makes a season that feels painful actually beautiful is that it is timely. As a matter of fact, you can say this to your situation now. It is beautiful because it is timely. God has made everything beautiful in its time. And the season that you are in, no matter how it feels or what it looks like or how confusing it might be, is, at the very least, timely. And for many of you, it might be the stepping stone to the next season that the Lord wants to bring you in. It's beautiful because it's timely. Now, this is very important for us to consider It's beautiful because it's timely. Now, as we look at this, later on in the message, we're going to affirm the goodness and the sovereignty of God as the orchestrator of the events in your life. Because something being timely doesn't really help you unless it's been sent and ordained on time by a God who loves you. And so that truth is gonna be necessary. We're gonna reveal that in a little bit. But as we continue to dive into this, if something is made beautiful because it is timely, then that allows us to do at the very least something that we often do not do is to be present in that moment and in that season. If it is a time for weeping, then weep. If it is a time to dance, then dance. If it is a time to be planted, don't try to pluck up yet. And if it's a time to cast away, don't try to gather together, release it freely. If it's beautiful because it's timely, then the goal is not to get out of the season. It's to get out of it everything God wants to give me in it. This will change your life. The goal of being in your current season is not to get out of it. that is not the hope that you should look into or that is not what God wants to give you right now. The goal of your season is not just to get out of it even if it is painful and difficult and even if getting out of it would be such a blessing. The goal is to get out of it everything God wants to give you in it. So many times my counsel for people that are struggling and considering what it would be like to be in a different situation is to say, have you asked the question, what does God want to do for me in it as opposed to how is God going to get me out of it? And if you could receive it as something beautiful because it's timely and because it is ordered by a God who loves you, then you can begin to engage with it as it is because, what do many of us do? Something that feels painful, unpleasant, and confusing, we want to avoid, dismiss, or run away from. And we want to run and run and run and avoid, avoid, and avoid. And that's why we binge on things. And that's why we get totally caught up in other things. And that's why we want to escape all the time, is because we're trying to avoid the pain and the sorrow of dealing with my present moment, as opposed to receiving it as something from God as timely. And if it feels like I'm being planted, then maybe God wants me to bloom something that I couldn't have otherwise. This is very important. So now you can begin to engage and be present in the season that you are in instead of fighting against it or just looking to get out of it. The focus is not when do I get out of it, but how do I get out of it, everything God wants to give me in it. Because it is beautiful because it is timely, even if it feels painful. So as we see from these texts and as we begin to be helped by this, what we see first is that two opposites, two things that look opposite are actually two sides of the same coin. As a matter of fact, you cannot have one without the other. There is no plucking up without being planted and there is no building up without being broken down first. Now, let's hold that there, hold that thought. And I had been asking this question before Ecclesiastes chapter 3, kind of of my own experience in life. And I'd been thinking through what does it look like to really follow Jesus and what can I continue to expect? You know, sometimes you think following Jesus will look like this and it looks like this. and And so many of you are in that place now. I thought it would be this, but it's this. I thought it would look like this, but it looks like that. And so how do I manage that? What does it look like to thrive and to find meaning in the midst of that? That's what I've been asking the Lord, and, and I, I thought of these two verses, and I've been trying to understand what God is saying. First, Jesus seems to say two completely opposite things about what it feels like to follow him. Let me give you them. In chapter, and, uh, Mark chapter 8, verse 34, Jesus says, If anybody would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. So what does it feel like to follow Jesus? It feels like carrying a heavy, splintery cross. That's what he said. Okay, I can prepare myself for that. Matthew 11, though, Jesus says the, what seems to be the complete opposite. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. You will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy, get this, and my burden is light. So which one is it? Have you thought about this? You probably have in your experience, if you've been trying to follow Jesus for any particular time, is it supposed to feel like a heavy cross or is it supposed to feel like an empty backpack? Is it heavy or is it light? Which one is it? What can I expect from him? And I think as we continue to navigate the seasons of life and learn how God works, the answer is both. The answer is that it feels like a heavy cross and it feels like a light and empty backpack, a light load. For the very reason of seasons. One season, it is ordered by God that it would feel like a heavy cross. In another season, it is ordered that it would seem like an empty backpack. Now, here's what I think is partly what's going on. I wouldn't appreciate the offer of something light if I wasn't carrying something heavy. Right? Why would Matthew 11 help me if I wasn't feeling heavy? It wouldn't. So, not only are these two things not opposites a heavy cross and an, and an empty backpack, just for illustration's sake, y'all don't know what a yoke is, so I'm not even going to. Three of y'all know what a yoke is, okay? I'm not even going to do that. But he's saying it's light, okay? You know what a backpack is. It's both. And how do I navigate it? In the season that I'm in. Will it always feel like a heavy cross? No. Will it always feel like an empty backpack? No. Will sometimes the heavy cross make me appreciate the empty backpack? Yes. Yes. Well, sometimes carrying the empty backpack gives me strength to put on the cross. Yes. And these two things are always going hand in hand. And they seem to be polar opposites, but they're two sides of the same coin. And how do I navigate it? By receiving it as a season. It's a season. For everything, there is a season and a time. And so I ask you again, what time is it? It's beautiful because it's timely, not because it feels good and not because it's not painful, but it's timely. Your life is one big clock, and you really need to be asking the question, what time is it? Now, as we consider this truth all the more, I'm going to go through a few dangers of how we handle our current seasons. We do two things. One, we over-exaggerate, and two, we overextend. We say things like, it will always be this way. And then our fortune-telling about our own life is the very thing that makes us anxious. How in the world do you know what it will always be like? You don't. You have overextended the season. You know what it feels like today, and you can pretty much guarantee that in this very moment, but you don't know even what it will be like tomorrow. And so our fortune-telling about our own lives makes us anxious. It creates an anxiety that didn't even need to be necessary. How do you know what the next week or two weeks or 10 years of your life will feel like? And we over-exaggerate it. It has always been this way. Or if it's always this way, then it will be too much. You're overextending and you're over-exaggerating and you're trying to hold your whole life, past, present, and future in one moment. It's a season, and you don't know what the next season will bring. Even if you stay in the same situation, God might give you a different perspective. You don't know. This is why the Bible is so helpful. God knows you do this. He knows I do this, and there's so much in the Bible about not carrying the burdens of tomorrow. Jesus is the wonderful counselor, and he wants to help you. He says in Matthew 6, 34, Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow. Tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. He's trying to help you. Say, hey, look, don't pick up and try to carry today the burdens of tomorrow. Don't overextend your season. Don't overexaggerate the timing of your situation. Receive it as it is today. Today is all you have. And today has its sufficient joys and sorrows. But we constantly are living in yesterday or tomorrow when God is teaching us in the Bible to live today. This is why Lamentations 3 says, His mercies are new. Who can finish it for me? Every morning. Every morning. If you're a follower of Christ, you wake up to something new and a fresh mercy from God that you did not need yesterday and you will not need tomorrow. But you're really going to need it today. And God wants to give that to you as a blessing as your father. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble, and sufficient for today are the mercies that you have been given. You have not been given today the mercies you will need for tomorrow. You will get them tomorrow. You have not been given today the mercy you will need in 10 years. You will get it then. When I was talking through some of my own experience, I spent more time in the last two weeks talking about my feelings than the last two years. this is not my thing, okay? This is not my, my happy place to talk about my feelings. And I began to do this. I began to hypothesize, well, what if this happens when I'm 45 or 50? What if this, you know? And the guy was like, why in the world was you, you, you your life is heavy right now, and you're trying to add the burden of something 10 years from now that you have literally no idea whether it will be that way or not. How foolish, you know? And from the inside, it feels like, well, of course, you know. But to him, it's like seeing it from the outside, it's like, no, that's kind of silly that you would even do that. And that's what the Lord wants to show us today. He resonates and he sympathizes with the fact that we struggle and we do that. But from an objective point of view, he's saying you really don't don't need to do that. He does this all throughout the scriptures. One of my favorite examples is when uh, the Israelites rebelled against God. They didn't go into the promised land. They were too scared. And the Lord sent them wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. And because of his mercy and grace, he provided food from heaven called manna to sustain their life in the middle of the desert. But those of you who know the story would know that the food spoiled overnight every day. Why? He could have given them food for seven days. He could have given them food for a month. He could have blessed them with a refrigerator. He could have given them anything he's got. He could have taken care of the next 40 years, given them a big warehouse. Why did the food spoil every night? So they would learn to wake up and trust him again. They were not even given the opportunity to manage their own future. And that's more realistic for us than we think. To say, I actually don't have much of an opportunity to manage my tomorrow. I don't know what it will bring. As secure as I feel, that's foolish. I'm not in control of my life. So the Lord wants to teach them to wake up every day and to trust his provision. He does this for 40 years. Imagine what kind of trust and character that built over time. What if the Lord is not allowing certain forms of security in your life so that you can wake up and trust him? What if it's a season of instability and confusion A season that you cannot control, one that you cannot know the outcome of, so that God can wake you up and give you a new mercy tomorrow. What if? What an amazing blessing that would be to have that perspective on your current situation, all throughout the scriptures, one more example. James chapter 4, he says, man, we ought not to hypothesize about whether we're going to go here or there tomorrow. He says, what do you know? He says, you're, you're planning too much. all oh, you planners, you know? I don't plan enough, so let's meet in the middle somewhere. You're planning too much. You're, you're, you're just playing out your whole life. What are you doing? Like, you need to do today but you're living tomorrow or you're living in yesterday. And the reason you're so troubled is because you're not even living in today. And if you're not living in today, you cannot consciously receive the mercy God has given you for today. Because you're too busy trying to figure out tomorrow or carry the burdens of yesterday. The Lord wants to release so much in you today. He says, listen, one day at a time. How do I manage the season that I'm in? You do so one day at a time. Let me give you an example. This is like when my kids will say on Friday, that they don't wanna go to school on Monday and they're worried about it and they're concerned about going back to school and they had a long week and they're tired and they don't wanna go back to school on Monday. What is the first thing I say to them when they say, I don't wanna go back to school on Monday? I say, let's talk about it later. It's Friday night, movie night, pizza, okay? Tomorrow you're gonna wake up have basketball practice, we'll probably get some ice cream, all the family will be together, it'll be super fun. Now imagine if he spent the whole weekend pouting and upset because he had to go back to school on Monday. What would I feel like as a father? I would say, listen, son, man, that is so unnecessary. There are so many blessings I want you to enjoy today. Please don't let them go because of what you're concerned about on Monday. Don't miss what I'm giving you today. And you know what happens every Monday morning? So far, at least. They're ready to go back to school. No fighting, no whining, no crying. They're ready. And you know what part of it is? They've carried a burden of a week, and they're overextending that. As opposed to receiving the blessing of a season of a weekend... And understanding that that's going to rejuvenate them to go back. But if you don't have the right perspective, they could have missed the whole weekend. Oh, how is that true for us? How is that true for us? You're so concerned about next week, next month, next year, tomorrow, that you are not even enjoying the Father's blessings today. And part of this is because some of us treat God as God, which is good, but we don't treat him as father. And I think this is something I'm learning about myself. I believe and I trust God. I want to follow him. Come hell or high water, I will not turn my back on him. I believe the mission of the gospel is the most important thing in life. I will give my life away for that. But when I do that and I neglect to relate to God as Father, then it's all work and no play. That is not God's heart for you. He is your Father through faith in Jesus Christ. It is his heart to bless you. That might look sometimes differently than what you expect, but you must know it is in his heart to bless you. And as much as I love giving my kids ice cream, the father loves blessing his children one million times more. And oh, for you to miss out on the blessings from your father because you're so concerned about the worries of tomorrow. I don't want that for you. Don't throw away the weekend because you have to go back to school on Monday. And so many of us do that all the time. It takes away our peace and it takes away our joy. And you know what also comes Monday morning is the Father, me, helps them navigate it. If you still feel upset about it, I'm here. I'll help you. If you still have a difficulty with your perspective on it, I'm here. I will help you. And so not only am I going to bless you, but I'm still going to be here to help you. I'm not pretending like you don't have to go back to school on Monday, but I'm telling you to enjoy today, and I'll be with you on Monday. This will help you. This will help you. Oh, I hope it helps you. It has helped me so much. This is what the Lord has been telling me. And so we begin to receive life in seasons. And because we receive life in seasons, we are able, therefore, to be more present in the moment. This seems to be Solomon's whole conclusion about navigating life in seasons. Look at verse 12. In light of all of these seasons in life, he says, I perceive there is nothing better than to be joyful and to, and to do good as long as they live. That everyone should eat, drink, and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. In light of the fact that everything comes at you in seasons, in light of the fact that there will be different times for different things, then make the most of the day you are given. Enjoy it and receive it as from God. It is beautiful because it is timely, not because it is not painful. This will bless you. Stop living in tomorrow and stop carrying yesterday. Receive the mercy and the joy and the blessings that your Father wants to provide for you today. So with all of that, I would call that a principle of life from the scriptures in mind. i want to give you three practical ways to live this out that flow from verses 12 through 14. The first is what we just said. Be present in the season you are in. Be present in the season you are in. It is time for it. It is not the season you will be in tomorrow and what is not the season you were in yesterday? Be present in the season that you are in. You know, here is the only place you can be. Did you know that? You can't be there in the past or in the future. You can only be here. So be here. Be here sitting in this seat under the word of God. Be at lunch at bar taco eating a pork belly taco, which are delicious. Enjoy your kids this afternoon. Be present. Be present with your spouse. What a gift from God. Be present with the scriptures and the Holy Spirit. What a wonderful blessing. Be present at work, even though it may be great toil and frustrating to you. It is a gift from God to provide for your life. Be present. Be present at school. I know you're tired of taking all those tests. Be present. Today is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Be present. Here is the only place you can be. And as my favorite football coach, Nick Saban of the Alabama Crimson Tide, I know, I know, I know. This has added to my sorrow. Those of you who don't watch college football, Alabama rarely loses, but they lost last night right before I had to preach a sermon. You know, but it's a season, it's a season. Literally, literally, it's a season, you know. To you Redskins fans, it's a season. There will be another season. There will be another season. There's another season. Yeah, it's always the most hopeful reason. They did lose that. On a last-second field goal, man, it it was rough. A rough way to go out. It's okay. It's okay. It'll be a good sport. Be present in the season you are in. Now, as we talked about two weeks ago, what makes this moment now and the present moment significant is not its connection to the rest of your earthly life, but its connection to eternity. Here's where you have made the mistake, and me. We have connected this present moment to its effects in our earthly life, which we cannot play out and do not know, as opposed to connecting this present moment to its effects in eternity, which we know very clearly what that will be like. You see what I'm saying now? The Bible has given us sufficient information to know what it will be like in heaven. Now, glorious it will be to actually experience it, we'll learn a hundred million more times than we know now. But it is not unclear. And the meaning that you find in this present moment is not how it relates to and connects to the rest of your earthly life. The meaning of this present moment is how it relates to and connects to your eternal life. This is why he says... God, in verse 11, God has put eternity into man's heart. This is number two. Be aware of eternity. Be present in the season that you are in, but be aware of eternity. Now, aware is an important word because you can't live all the way there yet. You still live on this earth. As a stranger, the scripture says, but you still live on this earth in your flesh With your mental, physical, your soul troubles, your situational troubles, you still live on this earth as is, so you're not completely there yet, but you ought to live as one who has eternity in their heart. God has placed within you this instinct about eternity. As a matter of fact, it seems like he helps us deal with time by giving us an idea of timelessness, and that your present situation is more connected to your eternal life than your earthly one you know a lot more about what your eternal life will look like than your earthly life. So not only ought to you be aware of eternity, but you ought to connect your present moment to that eternity more than you do to your earthly life. And you're going to find much more peace and hope in that connection than you would otherwise. God has put eternity in your heart. Now, for many of you, this is the reason why you're in church or interested at all. You've been seeking it out. Maybe a friend brought you today. You're not sure about Jesus and the Bible and all of that. But the reason you're here is because God has put an instinct in your heart to seek after him. You know, with deep within you, even if you don't realize it yet, that there is something beyond the grave that you are made for something more than this world, and I am here as the bearer of good news that you are made for heaven and that you can be with God in heaven forever if you put your faith in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. God has put eternity in your heart as a sign to you that you are not just matter and you are not just what science can explain, but you are made for God. And the only counsel I have for you this morning is to certainly do all of these things, but to first enter into a new season by putting your faith in Jesus Christ and letting him change and transform your life. So be aware of eternity. You are made for everlasting joy in his presence. We discussed that a couple of weeks ago. Eternity and God's home in heaven is your forever home. You're just passing through now. You know, this makes me think of... uh, foster care and kind of the the situation my family and I are in often so we just adopted uh Katie who's two and a half on Monday which was a lot of a lot of fun we're super grateful for her what a precious gift from God uh and on adoption day they'll say things like now you're in your forever home or your forever family now because something happens in that moment that solidifies something that was already true I mean she's already been living in our house we treat her the same she is a child of ours so nothing, nothing changes experientially. She comes back to the same house to the same parents who treat her the same as they did the day before. But something happens technically where she solidifies what has already been true about her. And I want you to think about heaven like this, that you are already a child of God through faith in Jesus Christ. You have already technically been adopted, and you are already experiencing life with God in so many ways. He is your father. You are under his care. But your situation is still somewhat temporary. And on the day of your death, when you stand before God, the adoption will be complete. And you will be in your forever home with your forever family. And that is something to look forward to. Be aware of eternity. Number three, be confident in the sovereignty of God. Be confident in the sovereignty of God. Everything is timely because it is ordered by God. Verse 14 says, I perceive that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing can be taken away from it. God has done it. Now, I want you to understand something. Everything I've said this entire time is worthless to you if God is not sovereign. It is not good advice. It is not a helpful way to live because everything I've said is hogwash unless it is being ordered and brought to you by a sovereign, loving, caring Father. This is not advice the world can give you. Be present. For what? Be hopeful for what? It's timely, how do you know? This truth is only helpful not as wisdom from the earth but wisdom from above. It's beautiful because it's timely and it's timely because God is in control of everything, good and bad. Nothing happens outside of God's permission. He is completely, 100% in control. Therefore, it is timely because God is never early and he's never late, but he is always right on time. Be confident in the sovereignty of God. And ultimately, how you see that played out with the death and resurrection of Jesus, proving both the perfect timeliness of God and the perfect care of a father. That if that was done and executed just right, so is the season of your life now. It's a season. For everything, there is a season. Let me give you one final picture as we close. So I have this box of rocks, you know. And uh, here's what I want to I wanna show you. Imagine this rock right here is the rock that represents this day or this present moment or this season that you're in. We'll put that there. Now, the rest of these rocks, some of them represent the seasons of your past and yesterday. All these different memories or things that have happened to you, those are the seasons of your past. Now, some of these rocks represent the seasons of your future, all the things that could happen, all the things that you're not sure will happen. Will I ever get married? Will this depression ever go away? Will I ever feel better? Will I stop fighting that? Am I going to get that job? All these different things. And so here's the past, and here's the future. Now here's what we do. Imagine now, I looked at this, and I said, I need you to carry all of these rocks outside. And I need you to do it with just your hands. I need you to carry it. Some of you would look at that and be like, well, that's stupid. Some of you who are competitive would be like, all right, on, you know. You'd be on it, and you'd be starting, but eventually you would realize the foolishness of your ways. You'd be like, can I get that basket? I'd say, no, you can't. This is the whole point. It ruins everything if I give you the basket. And then you just do this, you know. And you know how frustrating this is. You're like, ah, you know, I try to do it. Eventually you're forced to give up because no matter how big your hands are, you simply cannot hold this many small things. In one hand, you get frustrated, disappointed feel upset, anxious, feel like you can't do it, let me tell you something. It's exactly what you're trying to do when you try to carry the burdens of the future along with the burdens of the past in this present moment. You simply cannot do it. Sometimes when you say, I can't do this, you're right. And the pep talk should not be, yes, you can. The pep talk should be, well, you're doing it wrong. God does not intend, as your loving father, to ask you to plan and carry and sort out all the burdens of your future. What could be, what won't be, what disappointments will I face, what things will work out and not work out, what will it be like then? He does not ask you to carry all the burdens of that. He's your father. Can you imagine how foolish it would be if my son came here and I said, You must carry all of these rocks to prove yourself to me? You must carry all of these rocks to show me you can do it on your own. you must carry all of these rocks for me to love you. And God's looking at you. And you're carrying the burdens from the past. You're trying to bring back these things. You're trying to hold on to the hurts and the pains and the sorrows and the struggles and the bad memories. And you're bringing them into this present moment. And then you're adding on top of that where you're going to be in five years. What's life going to be like in 10? Will this situation ever change? And you're trying to carry all of those rocks. And you're dropping and you're dropping. And you're getting frustrated. And you're disappointed. And you're upset. And you're anxious. And you say, I can't do this anymore. And it's because you can't do this anymore. But God is not just as God. He's your Father. And he says, listen, I've given you enough mercy for today. And all I'm asking you to do is pick up this one rock. Stop trying to carry the rocks of your future. Stop trying to carry the rocks of your past. I've given you the mercy you need to carry the rock for today. you have grace for this rock and only this rock. You have enough mercy for this rock only this rock. You have enough strength and capacity for this rock and only this rock. But you do have enough because of God's grace and mercy to you. So today I'm asking you to let go of the rocks of your future. Let go of the rocks of your past. Receive today as the season that you are in and accept the mercy of God that allows you to carry today and be blessed and cared for and at peace in your Father's arms today. Let me pray for us. Let's respond to God now. Father, we love you. and We thank you that you are our Father. We thank you that you are sovereign. We thank you that you have made everything beautiful in its time. We thank you that you've given us mercy for today. It is sufficient for us. We thank you that you can sympathize with us. Jesus, you became a man. You know what it's like to be us. We thank you for the hope of heaven. You have put eternity in our hearts. Oh, God, would you bless your children? Oh, bless them with peace, God. Give them the capacity to enjoy the day they have been given today. Release supernaturally from them the burdens of tomorrow and the wounds of yesterday. And give us the grace to walk in the season that we are in. Not simply looking to get out of it, but allow us to get out of it everything that you have for us in it. We love you. We thank you for your word. So wonderful and helpful. Thank you for your counsel. We thank you that you understand. We thank you that you love to help us. We thank you that you do not despise our weakness. You are gentle and lowly in heart. I pray, Lord, that each one of us would walk out of here sensing that light, love that you offer us. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask you, um, as a matter of fact, I kind of want this song to be sung over you. So just sit and receive the song about the Father's love. And I want you to go ahead and take communion. So there's a communion in your seat. If you're here today and you're a follower of Jesus, during this next song, I want you to consider the season that you are in in light of what Jesus has done for you on the cross by breaking his body for you and pouring out his blood for you, doing it at just the right time. That's what Romans says. He came at just the right time. And manage your season today in light of the truth of what God has already done for you. Receive the love of the Father take communion if you're here today and you're not a christ follower we ask that you not take communion but that you take christ that you believe and trust in him if you would like to leave your burdens and worries of the future at the altar and just drop them there if you want to take a rock as a memorial whatever uh we're going to leave some space in these next two songs for you to really do business with god and if you want to stand and sing at some point feel free to do that but just engage with him